Hello and welcome back to the BDNG podcast. My name is Ashlyn Cleary and I'm an advanced nurse practitioner in dermatology. And alongside me today is my lovely co-host Emmanuel Tony. Hello and I'm also an advanced nurse practitioner in dermatology. And today we are going to be talking about hydradenitis superativa, HS, and on the podcast we have Suzanne Maloney, who is an advocate for HS and also the founder and CEO of HydroMed Solutions. Welcome to the podcast, Suzanne. Thanks so much. It's great to be here. Perfect. So I think we should start the podcast off by you telling us a little bit about yourself and your personal journey. Thanks a million, Ashley. Um, so I'll begin when I was about... 12 or 13 years of age when I started developing signs of um, HS on my body, in around my bikini line in particular. And at the time, uh, I didn't know what it was. It was just kind of lumps and bumps in around my bikini line and in my groin. And um, I suppose I was really embarrassed about them, really, you know, um, ashamed We'd just done sex ed in school and I thought I had an STI, even though I was a child and it was impossible. It was just a really um, embarrassing um, thing that was happening to me. So I hid it for years and um, until I was about 17 and it got worse over time. So by the time I was 17, um, I had kind of severe lesions in around my, my groin in particular. And I brought um, or I went to my mum to ask her for help because I needed to see the doctor at this stage. And I suppose that was the first time I'd sought medical attention for what was going on. Um, But I still wasn't actually diagnosed with HS until I was 23 years of age. And by then um, it had progressed uh, a lot further and worsened so much. I had um, a lot of affected skin in around my um, perineum, my perianal area, my armpits, um, in behind my ears and the, the nape of my neck. And yeah, I just, I had, I had unfortunately very um, progressed um, severe HS by the time I was diagnosed. So that story, um, and that's a very quick summary, I suppose. Over those years, I was treated with lots of different antibiotics and steroids and you know the the pill at one point um every doctor that I saw about it just treated it as kind of an acute skin infection and when I look back on it now it was so obvious once you know what HS is it's so obvious and so easy to recognize and diagnose and I think that's why I became so uh, passionate about awareness and advocacy for this disease because it has such a tremendous impact on a patient's life. Um, things like little things that people take for granted, like being able to participate in sports or wear the clothes that you love or, you know, go out and socialize. Um, they're all kind of stripped away from you when you are living with this disease that essentially leaves your skin oozing with kind of odorous discharge and red raw scarring and pain so that's my background um and that's my personal story uh I'm very well controlled now at the moment thankfully um and I my quality of life is really improved and I've I've pivoted substantially or significantly or I've pivoted quite a bit out of my original career path, which was in the hospitality industry, um, 
because I I came up with an idea to help myself manage my wounds. And we'll talk about that uh, later, I'm sure. But I suppose that's my 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 story. That's where I that's who I am. <laughs> Fantastic. That was that was really kind of you to share. Thank you so much. Uh, if I can just ask you a question, because you talked a little bit about kind of you know, your journey into the NHS and getting treatment. If I can just ask you a question around kind of the good and bad of, of your care. So the, the main audience for this podcast are nurses, dermatology nurses. So it'll be really useful if you're happy to just share some of your good and bad experiences and, you know, any tips along the way you can, you can sign to your nurses or anything you found particularly useful during your consultations. Now would be a really good time to share that. Yeah. Okay. Well, I should say that I did grow up in Ireland, so the majority of my care was in the Irish health system. Um, but I, I think there's a lot of similarities between the two in terms of primary care um, access. Um, my main touch points with nurses was always post-surgical. Um, and I received very dedicated and specialised care from, from the wound care nurses that were taking care of my um, my wounds post-surgically. And were there any practice nurses involved at all? I would have seen practice nurses um, for other things like when I was having stitches removed <laughs> and um, for things and, and a really a kind of big opportunity um, that I feel could be helpful is in things like cervical screening and breast exams and things like that where you're um, where you're actually examining the patient's delicate areas of the body, there's an opportunity there to kind of ask the question, gosh, you've got some scarring there or you've got some lumps and bumps there. My own experience was, unfortunately, it, it, to be fair, it was over 20 years ago when I was going through the, the, the worst of this. And I think awareness has changed so much that the experience now of a, of a teenager going into primary care would be very different. Um, so for the most part, unfortunately, it was very much overlooked because it was just seen to be a boil or an abscess that I was being um, being treated for at the time. And I, I think what you what you said um, in your personal journey there, well, from a vast majority of the patients I've met, it's it's a very similar story. And even now, um, where they've had years either not knowing what it is and and not bring bringing it up until later and then it just being delays and getting diagnosed um but kind of what was your kind of step by step so before you ever got to surgery um how did you manage with um the ooze and the dressings yourself are you able to share a little bit of that for us yeah of course so i would have i i wouldn't have actually been provided much by uh, uh, wound care products or advice um from primary care or community settings at all. And I think like a lot of HS patients, I fell between the cracks there. There's there's kind of um, a role for dermatology in, in HS, but there's also a need for wound care. And it's kind of, it's, I think dermatology focuses on the, you know, the, the therapeutic agents and the lifestyle changes and, it, there was just a not the requirement for wound care wasn't really um, a 
focus in any of the clinical settings that I was in. And I suppose when you don't have a, a whole lot of time in with your doctor for the appointment, it's just kind of like, how are you managing with that? And I'd say, oh, I just got some dressings down and, you know, the chemist. And I used a lot of off the shelf dressings to the point, actually, at one stage, um, my local pharmacy was giving me a discount on dressings because they were just ordering so many in for me because I had I was just buying them out of pocket myself. And um, when I did go to the dermatology clinic or to the hospital setting, say I, I would have unfortunately had to use the emergency department quite a bit. And I think that's very common in HS patients as well, where you get to a stage where you're so you're in so much pain and you're so worried about having an infection or developing sepsis that you just go to the A&E or else on several occasions, my GP would have been treating me for maybe eight weeks. And then just been like, I can't actually do anything else for you. I need you to go to the hospital and be seen urgently. Um, so if I was ever in a hospital setting, I'd have been provided with dressings and kind of a bundle of dressings then to take home with me. So that was that was good. But I always found it a real challenge because armpits and groins are very kind of moist and hairy and mobile areas of the body. My armpits like anything I put on my armpits would be peeling away and falling off. I've had so many dressings fall out of my clothes. I've had stripped skin, you know, really raw red skin from kind of constantly applying and removing dressings. So I did find it a real challenge and you get very creative when you're, when you have HS because it's not like a typical acute wounds that you put a bandage on or a dressing on and it kind of goes away. You have these for weeks or months on end. And I've had HS lesions that have been draining for literally years. You know, it's kind of the strangest thing. And it's so unpredictable. You could have a huge burst of exudate at any moment because there's so much kind of lingering underneath the skin and depending on the way you move or if you stand up suddenly or if you, you know, um, just change position in your seat, you can move the skin in a way that it, it starts to drain. Um, so it's it's very anxiety inducing, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, and I think unfortunately what you're talking about with dressings, I know, is something that people still experience today. Uh, and I think that's why it's really important, you know, podcasts like this and raising awareness is so, so vital. Uh, I, you know, I've, I've, I've seen male patients use sanitary towels and things like that, there, which isn't, you know, I personally don't think anyone should have to use that. They should be able to get adequate provisions from, you know, any the NHS or whatever healthcare system there, there yeah. is in place. If I can ask you a bit about, because we talked about dressings and you've talked about HydraWare, uh, do you want to tell us a little bit more about what HydraWare is, how does it work and its availability to us here in the UK? Yeah, absolutely. And can I just say about the sanitary towels, um, and the adult nappies, I I I think they're a, a, a clever option if you're in a pickle and, you know, you're stuck and you can't access what you need. But I just want to highlight the. The the fact that it's so undignified to have to do that, and I would really urge anyone who does provide that to their patients to try it for themselves 
and see how it makes them actually feel. Because HS already affects your self-esteem, your self-worth, your confidence, your ability to wear the clothes that you love, your ability to go out, form friendships, form relationships. And then kind of to have to wear sanitary towels stuck to the inside of your clothes is just another little knock to your self-confidence and self-esteem. And I really, I really wish it wasn't a recommendation because I think it's only, and excuse the pun, but a band-aid over a much bigger problem that there isn't provisions for HS patients. Um, So thank you for acknowledging that because I know that it is currently a recommendation in, in some clinics and practices. But the reality of that, of having to, having no other option but to stick sanitary sanitary napkins or sanitary towels into your clothes is just not good enough in my view. Um, So HydroWare is a a product that I created, essentially started to create this for myself. I was really struggling with managing my dressings and um, I'd actually had a dressing fall out of my top uh, at at a hen party. And I was shaking the mother-in-law's hand and the dressing that I had kind of cobbled together under my armpit fell out onto the floor in front of everyone. And I was with my friends, so it wasn't the worst thing to happen, but it was still, that was the final straw. And I was just so embarrassed and also really frustrated and angry that this these were my only options. And, you know, we can do so much in science and medicine and there's still no real solutions for me. And why is that? So I started kind of creating um, solutions at home and talking to other patients online um, to see, was I the only one struggling with this? And it turned out that I wasn't. And it was actually a huge problem for people. And that's when I suppose I, I took a bit of a leap of faith in my uh, ideas and pursued them more um, more seriously. And um, so the first first product that I designed was a crop top garment that has these um, perforated panels in the treatment area. So in the armpit, for example, and then a set of dressings that comes in two parts. So there is an absorbent pad. So it's a super absorbent dressing. And each pad comes with a little fastening tab. So the dressing comes in two parts and the dressing pad goes underneath the garment and then the dressing fastener attaches outside the garment through the holes in the garment to the back of the dressing. So in essence, you're you're securing the dressing to the garment instead of adhering it to the skin. And it enables patients to change a dressing really quickly and there's no adhesives at all um, required. So there's no adhesive skin injury or damage. Uh, So it's reduced um, dressing related pain and it empowers patients and gives patients agency over their condition and enabling them to manage in the, in the home setting. So it's, um, it's a really nice product. I'm, I'm really proud of it. Um, we've since gone on to develop um, a T-shirt uh, base layer and then shorts for men and women uh, for treating the groin, the inner thigh and the buttocks. And then two sizes of dressings. And there's a, a whole range of dressings that will be 
um, released over the, the next couple of months, including like foam dressings. And yeah, so essentially Hydrawear is a product designed for difficult to dress wings that enables um, self-management and self-care. First of all, I just would like to commend you for actually taking the initiative to go ahead and start this because coming from, you know, a completely different sector to then you have the whole business side of it as well. And it must have been, I suppose, a huge undertaking, but you can really hear your passion there. And I think that's so important um, in, in anything that you decide to do to do in life. Um, but specifically with the with the dressings that you've made, um, I've seen them myself. I, I, I do actually think that they're great. Um, but in terms of like options and availability for patients, then um, how does it work? I, I do think it's important to say both in Ireland and the UK, because we have members from both sides uh, listening. Yeah. Um, so they're available on both uh, in both countries on uh, various schemes. In Ireland, they're available through the drug payment scheme and the medical card scheme. And so they can be provided uh, to the patient or prescribed depending on the scheme. And then in the UK, they're available on the drug tariff and um, they can be prescribed by a GP or uh, through tissue viability. Or sometimes your dermatologist can um, write to the GP and recommend that they prescribe them. Fantastic. Thank you. Uh, and now just moving on to the end now of the interview, uh, would you like to kind of summarise slash give us any key take home points to the listeners uh, away from this interview, please? Well, I'd like to thank you both for really highlighting uh, HS. I think it's such an exciting time uh, to be to be working in this space because there's so much happening. And I, I love to think that the work that we're doing today will change the outcome for people like me when I was a teenager who wasn't diagnosed for over 10 years and had kind of a really bad experience where now things have changed so much that patients will get the, the right care at the right time. And that's, I think I'm, I'm really grateful for that. So thank you. And yeah, I just think awareness is key. If you if you want to be able to diagnose HS, you have to recognize it and know about it. And doing podcasts like this um, will really, um, I suppose, elevate that level of awareness. So, yeah, that's I don't know. I don't think I have any other key um take homes. <laughs> I think that's perfect. I think the only thing I, I would um, maybe add or, or or ask in terms of, because, you know, we mentioned a lot about the impact of quality of life um, or impact on your quality of life. Do you recommend any support groups? Or I, I know that internally um, some centres luckily have um, a, a, a psychologist linked to the dermatology centre. Otherwise, in the UK, there's apps like the iApp service. But is there anything from your yeah. experience that you would recommend? Yeah, so there's um, there is a really nice um, patient organization that's kind of growing in the UK. Um, what I might do is actually share the link with you afterwards because it's the it's the HS Ireland and UK patient network and they do meetings um, once a month now. So excuse me, I'll share the link. Um, there's also HS Ireland and there's people from Ireland and the UK in that group. They're incredibly supportive. There is a Facebook group called the HS Trust. Now, that used to be a bigger um, organization 
that has um, that has unfortunately um, closed due to the pandemic and, and different circumstances. But their Facebook group is still there. So that provides a lot of support for patients. You can join the group. You can kind of ask questions um, or just share your experiences. So that it's a really nice place to be. So they would be um, they would be the groups that I would recommend for the UK and Ireland. Fantastic. Perfect. Thank yeah. you. And and uh, just finally, I'd just like to say, I know, I know you said thank you, but I think also thank you to you as well. You know, you, you've taken what was quite a difficult experience and you've you've increased awareness and created something to help make sure that, you know, little Suzannes in the future don't have to have the same experience. And I think that's that's really commendable and has turned something into such positive. Uh, but we won't get too emotional and smushy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, no, I'm really proud. And I have a I have a great team of people around me and also tremendous support. And I'm really grateful for all of that. I think it's it's not just me doing this. There's a whole community of people kind of uh, working on this. And and it's important for HS patients to know that as well, that there's people out there that really do care, because I think a lot of HS patients feel like, um, you know, they've been let down so many times in the past they've kind of given up on the their kind of their health outcomes. But there are people out there and there's more and more people kind of coming to the table now to try and improve um, the quality of care being provided to people with HS. So that's, you know, that's phenomenal. The outlook is, is getting better every day. And that might note to leave everything on. So Thank you very much, Susan. Thank you for your time. Uh, and yeah, we'll, we'll be seeing you soon, maybe at the BDNG. Yeah, fingers <laughs> crossed. Can't wait. Perfect. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Susan. Now moving on to one of your colleagues, Mark Hudson, who's the Marketing and Sales Director at Daylong Direct. Welcome to the podcast, Mark. Hi, I'm really pleased to be here. Thank you so much for joining us. We we just uh, spoke to your uh, colleague, Suzanne Maloney. Um, so first of all, we'd love if you could give us a little bit of an introduction about who you are, your background, and why, why is HS so important to you? Daylong Direct have been a family-owned company for over 60 years, and for the last about 25 years also, we've been an NHS contractor, um, which means we are actually um, a bit like a specialist pharmacy, which supplied direct to the patient's home as one part of our business. The other part of our main businesses we look at taking on the distribution or supply and support brands when they want to launch within the UK which mainly are probably a smaller size companies which don't have like the sales force and everything else to supply and normally we take on unique or let's say interesting brands which really can change um, let's say care in the NHS but I would say when we found we've with Hydraware, I would say this is probably once in a lifetime type of product I've had come along where I can see the multiple uses for this product within the NHS and how it can change care. But overall, the company um, is an NHS contractor and um, also does wholesale and supply of products in working inside the NHS. I've been in working in healthcare for uh, over 15 years now. And when I obviously met Suzanne and Conan at Hydramed, 
it really took me back to some of the types of conditions I've worked in. Primarily, I've been working with vascular and lymphatic disease. And these signs and symptoms are presenting with patients with leg ulcers, lymphedema, chronic edema. And what really brought it home to me is this is another patient group who can feel isolated, alone, powerless, can take a long time to get actual treatment or even a long time to see an improvement in their healing. And it was a patient group which really needed support and help. And because I've done this before with raising awareness on lymphedema, chronic edema, back in like in the 2000s, I thought this is another journey I would like to actually start. And some of the HS patients, when I started talking to them, were really, how do I describe it in a polite way, but they were really wanting someone to probably help them and some of the journeys and many of these people were young people and it really um, touched on me how much these people really want somebody to help them even to get a doctor and people to recognize the condition or give them some sort of way of healing I thought how can we really help this so it made me start to dive a bit deeper and obviously I'd listen to um, Suzanne's journey who had HS and it took her over 10 years to be diagnosed and I found that's a very similar picture to what was in the UK and it was a condition which was really sitting with nobody's ownership it was owned a bit by dermatology but tissue viability were not knowing about it and a lot of people were never diagnosing it so if you're never diagnosed how do you treat these people so I thought why don't I jump on board and really listening to Suzanne who's for me is an amazing story having a patient who's invented a product from not just sitting there and moaning about it went I'm going to fix this and she really, that story was like, wow, it's the first time I've met a patient who solved a problem and invented something what, like, let's say, industry haven't come up with ever. So for, my hat came off to her. I went, wow, she's actually managed to create a product which is going to help and give actually the first true product which will self-enable patients to treat complex wounds in really tricky areas in a really effective way. And I thought, wow, I want to be a part of this journey that was really great sharing that thank you and actually just what we were talking about Suzanne just echoes absolutely everything she was saying and it really is quite an, an inspira inspiring story if I can just ask you about government support and initiatives really that are available or anything that you're aware aware of to help increase awareness of hydrocnitis suppurativa I would say HS like all conditions it really does take time for it to become aware especially if it's a, let, let's say hs has only been on people's radar even though people have known about it for years since 2015 most clinical writing started to be really focused on it and we've had a pandemic so let's say it's in this infancy and being recognized we've got a national wound care strategy which is being done and with that the estimated annual cost about 8.3 billion we spend on chronic wounds and 2.7 billion and 5.6 billion is related to wounds which are not are being managed and unmanaged in healing. Furthermore, 81% of the NHS costs was incurred in the community. So when we've looked at this, if we can increase diagnosis in the community, and these figures were from about 2017 and 18, so they're probably higher now. So 
how do we try and raise the profile? Because there is wounds which are going to be in the common areas, which are like groin, buttocks, axilla, you can have them in chest and all these other areas, which are probably being misdiagnosed. These people are probably being treated, but they're not actually being diagnosed. So they're probably being treated in a way which is not suitable for the condition. I think 8% of wounds um, in that actual study were um, were abscesses and six of them were unspecified. So that could be any area. So probably sitting within that is probably the HS wounds. So how do we as a community try and challenge it that these people get diagnosed? With the government initiatives, I would say it takes time for, let's say, government to recognise or let's say for the NHS to recognise. At the moment, we're in a situation where we're trying to focus at raising the profile in education of HS to be recognised. And this is really what we've invested with the BDNG. We sponsored them to do a consensus document. We recognised that the clinical community, with government support and initiatives, it really does take a bit of time once the condition is recognised. Um, recently, we had the National Wound Care Strategy, which have been formulating how we should look at managing the wound care burden within the NHS with the annual costs of this. Um, it's estimated about £8.3 billion is spent on chronic wounds. And within that, £2.7 is for like managed and healed wounds, but 5.6 of that is for unhealed wounds. Furthermore, 81% of the total annual costs is incurred in the community for wound care management. And these figures from 2017 and 2018 from Julian Guess. So, and he was saying about 8% of these wounds are really in, are abscesses and 16% is probably undiagnosed and non-specified. Probably the HS wound community, which is all being undiagnosed, is sitting somewhere in there. And when we've really looked at this and talked to people, it was a classic case that these wounds weren't being diagnosed. They were sat between dermatology, tissue viability and practice nursing and district nurses, but nobody was making the link. So what we've done is tried to actually raise this profile. And with the BDNG this year, we really brought together some real key people as a consensus document to really focus in on how we can actually improve care for HS. And this consensus document was bringing to, together dermatology, biologics nurses, GPs, and a patient point of view, and practice nurses as well. And this was really how we can get a multidisciplined approach to looking after HS patients and getting the referral pathways correct. That's into dermatology, where they would manage, let's say, the underlying autoimmune condition and looking at, say, where wound care management can be managed by, let's say, tissue viability or always probably been the, at the forefront of looking at chronic wound management. And that's where then those links can be made to where a pathway could sit within the NHS. So until, let's say, the fundamentals about how you design that um, system for where you send patients and how they're managed, it's really a way that there is no initiatives or support. We used to have the HS Society, but unfortunately that's not um, there, which was a patient group. I know it's still operating, but that's still not there. What we've tried to do is invest in the HS awareness. We launched that week last year and we've got it being launched again this year. And that's from the 5th and the 12th of June. So we're bringing that back. And it culminates with an event on the 12th 
which is going to be in London, run by the BDNG, which is going to be a HS awareness training day for all dermatology nurses. And that's going to have tissue viability there, biologics nurses. It's bringing everybody together to really home in on upskilling up dermatology. On top of that, we've got some exciting things like Facebook Live the month before. We've got Joy Tickle, I think we know from Embarrassing Bodies, talking about HS. And Alison Schofield, we've got another podcast with some members of the consensus document. So everything is about trying to raise the profile of this condition to bring that people can easily recognise it or even think about it and go, oh, that could be HS. So hopefully we can do that to get more patients diagnosed and then put on the right path to management. I think what's so kind of inspiring here is obviously, you know, you 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 work in business, that's that's your background, but it, this goes so far beyond that and you're doing so much as a as a company to help raise awareness and get patients and people the public the help they need and and deserve. So so thank you for kind of helping champion that. Uh, I think you've kind of answered the next question already but i will just still ask it uh what else are kind of your company doing to help raise the profile of hs oh, i suppose you've, we've already really answered that haven't we well with um hs what we are luckily within our company we also have an element which is called a dac which is a, a dispensing appliance contractor so it's a bit like a pharmacy but we deliver to home what we found is with this condition, so sometimes it can be challenging to get products out of the GP or the pharmacy. So we also have a home delivery service, which they can access for free. So we're delivering it direct to home. Within that, there's educational material. We have a patient magazine which goes there. So what we're trying to do is make it discreet. If people do need to have their prescription and they get the products, so they can get it direct to the home. And this means they have an easy access to getting things like hydroware, which really help to manage their condition. With anything, there's always a situation where you always think companies are in it, Joe, for the money. But I always look at this. If you look at it in the right way and make it so we empower people with working in the NHS, and I've done this for a long time, we all want to help the patient at the end of it. So as long as we're all helping at the patient, it's a win-win for all of us. And the one thing I would say with what Suzanne's done as a product this is a product where patients created it, and it's the first time I've really seen life-changing results from it. And some of the stories we've had, like some of the stories what we've had out of patients have been really nice. Some patients have been having to be managed at home and not being able to get out. They've used our product of Hydroware, and now they're actually they're not being having nurses coming in every day. They're able now to go out. They're able to even look for work. Some people have actually turned around and they're able to pick up the children for the first time. These are stories which may sound so simple, but actually the impact on their life is actually something as a normal human being, you have to go, wow, this is these are little things, but they're massive in people's lives. And actually that makes makes me doing this job and I've done it now for a long time is so impactful and i think with day long in the people we all work we're a really passionate company when we first started with alison scofield of sponsoring 18 events with the jcn which went and toured around the country when we started on this journey with suzanne and the one of the things where alison scofield delivered this presentation beautifully talking from a tissue viability approach of delivering how to recognize the wound but we were actually diagnosing people in the audience nurses were coming forward saying oh my god i've got hs 
I'd be managing this at home and I didn't even know I've got it. When you're doing that and you're seeing people who are crying and talking to Alison and you're seeing that we're changing their lives, this is amazing. It is making such a change. And those are the things what actually I'm going to remember for all my career, that we're actually just diagnosing people in a crowd and changing their lives actually in real time. You can seriously um, hear the passion in your voice there, Mark. And I think... um... The amount of initiatives um, that you as a company are doing at the at the moment uh, to, to raise the profile of, of HS is is genuinely much, much appreciated. And I think all of the healthcare professionals out there um, need as much um, support as possible, because although, you know, the NHS is great and we get plenty of teaching here, there's always much more that um, can be done. Um, and so just I would like to, to get you to tell us maybe some of your take home messages, but just Briefly, I have one question. Um, I think it's really important that um, you have this option for patients to be able to get the products delivered to their home. Um, but how easy is it for patients to actually get resupplies of these products? Is that is that difficult? Because sometimes you know patients might be prescribed, um, but they might not get enough of the actual dressings for what they need. And I find that that can sometimes be, you know, difficult for for patients. Okay. One of the prescriptions is probably something all patients probably need to know a little bit more about, or we need to as a part of the NHS, Joe, as a contractor and also as the NHS has understand prescriptions. Once they're raised by your GP, you need to um, start the raising of the next prescription. So it's always a request. Uh, now it can be done online through the app. It used to be you used to just turn up and go into the GP service before COVID and ask the receptionist. You can't do that anymore. It's either normally in writing or email they prefer. And from that, it would be that you could sort out and make the request for the next, let's say, the month's supply of dressings. And always remember your – and write down the dates. I always advise a patient to write down the dates when they get, say, the garments because they have a life cycle and then with the dressings. So they become – because you need now to really take an active ownership of your prescription and also managing the wounds. One of the common things what um, – it's really simple to say when the patients have phoned up and said, I've got HS, I need to get, um, let's say, hydroware or something or another wound dressing, it could be. They haven't actually said why, because a GP generally will not understand what HS is or what hydrogenized supertiva. You have to say, I have open chronic wounds in this area and I need another supply of wound dressings to manage the extradate level in these areas. So it's spelling it out to why they actually need it, because it might not be the same GP who's writing you the prescription. They're only looking at the case notes and it depends on the detail there. So by trying to involve yourself in actually requesting these through email or in writing through your app, and then actually you can get re-prescriptions. It's called a token or in which is on with next prescription. So that means like a repeat. So it could be you can say to your GP or have that conversation and say, look, um, it normally takes this amount. Please, could I have this on repeat um, for the next two months? Because I will need this amount of dressings for heal. Or it might be you, he will say, let me know in two weeks time if you need me to put this on repeat. So then you would notify mate to the repeat. It's, it's one of those things. As much communication you can have with your doctor will help actually your outcome. Generally. 
most of the time it is just a communication. The more they know, the more they want to help you. And it's normally when things don't work, it's normally because they don't have enough information to make a decision. So that's what I would say. Always have a really open and frank discussion with your doctor to actually make them understand why they need the condition and the impact of not having any wound care. Because by rights, if you have got an open wound, you do need some sort of wound management. So it's better that you negotiate or have that conversation and explain to them, if I don't get anything, I've got open wounds, which could have a secondary infection, meaning then you would be into a secondary admission into hospital with um, for IV antibiotics, which nobody wants that. Perfect. No, I think it's, um, it's so important to actually just mention like practical things that patients um, should think about at home. But I think you've kind of answered our kind of take-home messages. But if there's anything else that you, you want to mention, Mark, please do. But otherwise, thank you so much for, for coming on and speaking to us today. No, the last bit I would just say, with everything we do, it's really, it's about getting that impatience now to really empower them to self-care and manage their wounds. And anything we can do with the NHS is really now to focus on reduction of clinical time. We're trying to do so much and we're all trying to do get, let's say, do more for less in time since the pandemic and anything which is supporting at the our NHS to be able to support more people and deliver things. So I'm always for and anything which can actually save money to the NHS and actually make everybody access care. Um, we're always support as a company. Well, fantastic. Thank you very much for for that. And like just to echo what Ashling said, I think you've done some really practical tips there as well for our listeners. So thank you very much for your time. And I'm sure we will be seeing you soon. So thank you. Thank you. Lovely to be here. Bye.